My first winter there, I'd never even seen a blizzard before. <laughs> and I had to go out and check the road one night, and I drove straight into the blizzard. I had to do about a 20-point turn to get turned around. And yeah, my legs and my hands were shaking. And I just thought, uh-oh, uh-oh, you screwed up. <laughs> and I turned around. I got out of there. We closed the road. And um, since then... I have a very healthy respect for blizzards. This is Yukon North of Ordinary, the podcast. We share a more in-depth take on the most popular stories from our print magazine, showcasing the territory's extraordinary people, culture, and outdoors. I'm your host, Karen McCall. The Dempster Highway is called a highway, but don't be fooled. It's a 740-kilometer gravel road across the Arctic Circle. It connects Dempster Corner in the Yukon with Inuvik in the Northwest Territories. So what's it like working on one of the loneliest stretches of highways on Earth? I'm going to ask Kathy Braze. She's a road foreperson with the Yukon government, and her office is a place known as Hurricane Alley. When she's not out blading or smoothing the road, she's fishing or hanging out with her work family at the Yukon Highways Camp at Eagle Plains, where she calls home. Thanks, Kathy, for joining me. Well, thanks for inviting me, Karen. I'm kind of excited about this. Well, I was expecting to do this interview uh, remotely, but it's uh, great that you're here in, in Whitehorse. Uh, it's a bit of a drive for you to get here, so uh, I imagine you don't come down too, too often. I try once a month, maybe every second month, but yeah, you do have to get out for at some point. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll get into that uh, isolation factor. First of all, how do you how do you get there from Whitehorse? How far is it from here? It's 864 kilometers. So you drive up the Klondike Highway, and then you hang a, a right at the Dempster Corner, and you'll see signs that say Arctic Ocean this way, and you can drive all the way to the Arctic Ocean. And where Eagle Plains is, it's what? It's about halfway up the Dempster? Is it 380-something kilometers? Uh, 371, almost exactly half of Inuvik to the corner. So Eagle Plains, obviously, uh, it, it's it's pretty far out there, and uh, lots of folks haven't been there, including myself. Can you describe, like, physically, like, the landscape around Eagle Plains? What does it look like? We're on the top of a mountain. We live on the top of a mountain. I can open both garage doors, stand in the middle of the garage, look out the valley, out one garage door, and look out over a valley on the in the other garage door. And... Uh, it's pretty cool. It could be minus 25 in Eagle Plains in the wintertime. And when you drop down to the Eagle River, which is about 10 kilometers, and it's, it's a fair descent, it could be 50 below down there. And then you climb up the other side, and you come out of the valley, and it's minus 25 up there. Lots of inversions. Oh, totally. Yeah. And those low spots, they're cold. Safe to say that it's a it's a beautiful spot. It's very beautiful, yeah. And uh, especially in the fall time with the colors, uh, you get to see the Richardson Mountains. So you're looking out front and you see the Richardson Mountains, and sometimes there's the odd bear or two that walk through the property. And we've even had Martin right now hanging around. So 
we see a little average of everything. Sometimes more wildlife than people. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. In terms of services, once you hit the start of the Dempster at, at Dempster Corner, like there's nothing really before Eagle Plains, is there other than the uh, Tombstone Visitor Center? Uh, we have a greater station at kilometer 66, I believe. Um, then there's the Tombstone Interpretive Center. There's You'll see a couple of outfitters. There are buildings right along the highway. And then um, the Ogilvy Camp went at kilometer 195. And then really nothing until 370. Pretty remote stretch of road. It can be, yeah. Okay, let's talk about like the, the infrastructure, I guess, is there. Because you're at the uh, the Highways Greater Camp, or Highways Camp, I suppose. And then there's also the Eagle Plains Hotel. There's the hotel there, and then our Greater Station, or Maintenance Camp, is attached to their service station, so we lease space from them. Okay, so you're all together. I've heard that there's, you know, short of 10 people kind of at the Eagle Plains Hotel staff-wise at any any point. Uh, how many highways workers are there at any given time? Right at this moment, we have seven, but there could be anywhere from eight to 10, seven to 10. Okay, so sort of maximum population, Eagle Plains, 20 people at any given time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maximum. Uh, that's 10, but there's two shifts. So there could be, there's four on one shift and sometimes three or four on the other shift. So you live at Eagle Plains, but you obviously travel a bit on your days off. Do some people actually like leave for their days off? The rest of the crew does. Okay. (laughs) I'm the only one that actually lives there. So they will travel up for their shift the day before their shift starts and then travel home on their last day. And... The majority of my crew comes out of Dawson right now, and but I do have one person that comes out of Whitehorse. And that's a long haul. Would that be like a 10-hour drive or so? 10 to 12. So does it feel like a community with sort of a small number of people? Or, or what, do you, what do you consider Eagle Plains? Is it just like a workplace? or It's a little bit of a community, but it's more like a big family. And I consider myself like the unofficial rec director. And I'll go out and I will take my skidoo out, cut wood, and let's have a bonfire. And the staff will come out. My staff, whoever's there, will come out and, yeah, we'll have a few giggly pops. And uh, at Christmas time, we set up games. We have um, gift exchange. We, I saw a game with oven mitts and saran wrap on Facebook, so we started that and and everyone, they're using their teeth to try and break open this stuff. So we had to be careful how many lottery tickets and stuff we put in because <laughs> they were ripping them in half. But uh, we celebrate birthdays. We sometimes sit around the table in the restaurant, the staff or my staff, and we have supper, we chit-chat. We haven't, we're working all day, and then we get time to eat together. Takes a certain, I guess, uh personality or character to to live up there, I suppose. I used to say you have to like your own company. And a place is what you make it. And if you're going to think, oh, it's too far. Oh, yeah, a place is what you make it. And I embraced it and I love it. You've been up there for almost 15 years. Can you tell me how how you uh, ended up there? I was working with the BST crew, the Chipper crew where they redo the road surface. So they rip up the road surface, add more gravel, and then they chip seal it. And I was with that crew for three years. And 
I was offered a job in Eagle Plains, and I was looking for another challenge. But in 2008, I went to Chichitawa Camp, which is remote on the Campbell Highway, and I did my grader training there, and I certified. And I also had my emergency medical responder, and the Northern Area Superintendent at the time called me up and said, hey, would you like to go to Eagle Plains? And I'm like, sure. And I said, but I'm going to move there. And he said, have you even been there? And I said, nope. He's like, I suggest you jump in a pickup and go take a look. I said, I don't like driving that much. I said, I'll move there and I'll guarantee you three years. And he said, okay. And away I went. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. It was beautiful. Spirit of adventure. Yeah. Uh, When I got actually to the beginning of the section, I stopped to take a picture of the Eagle Plain sign. And all these whiskey jacks came. I had a house in Beaver Creek where I started my career, and the Whiskey Jacks used to come and feed in my feeders. So it was like, I'm home. So you, you worked in Beaver Creek previously. So you're wor- used to working in fairly uh, small and remote places. Yes. So what is your job at Eagle Plains? So I'm actually the road for person. <laughs> and uh, I am the first and only permanent female road for, for person with the Yukon government. I would like to see more women take up this position. It's quite can be quite challenging. Um, I operate all equipment. I've been certified on all the equipment. I schedule work that needs to be done. I do road checks. I do training, equipment training with employees. There's just so much to do. Um, I do road checks, I inspect the roads, I open and I close roads, and I make sure the, the road system is safe for the traveling public. In terms of road work, is it uh, snow clearing in the winter and then, uh, th- that the crews are doing and then grading in the, in the spring and summer months? Yes. In, in the spring and summer, we go out and we, we replace snow poles that have fallen down or blown away or... <laughs> somehow gotten damaged. We check culverts, we check creeks, we check the road surface. We have the largest section on the Dempster. I believe it's 174 kilometers. And uh, uh, when you first start into it, you see a lot of spruce, black spruce, um, poplar, and the further north you get, it gets a little bit sparser. You see a lot of larch and tamarack. But Once you get past the Arctic Circle, you start climbing, and when you get to Rock River, and you get north of Rock River, it's like treeless. You see, all you see is tundra and mountains. It's quite neat once you get up to the border. What is it like up there in the winter? Obviously, at a certain point, not, not a ton of light. I don't know what it was this year on December... 21st, but I have seen where December 21st, we've had an hour and 30 minutes from sunrise to sunset. And after that, it starts getting a little bit longer. I think it's like seven minutes a day. (laughs) It starts getting longer. And uh, this month in March, if I keep an eye on it, one day, there'll be the one day that's a turning point that we get more light than Whitehorse. So um, the 24-hour daylight isn't just June 21st, it actually 
starts earlier, the end of May, beginning of June. So we get lots of light. It's a magical time of year when the days start stretching out. And we go to work in the dark, we come home in the dark. And then we go to work in the dark, we come home in the light. And it's like, oh, this is nice. And then we go to work in the light and then come home in the light. Yeah, we know we're over the winter. This is a very remote stretch of road. So who's driving it in the winter? We have a lot of freight haulers that come up, fuel, LNG, propane. I think the majority is freight going to the NWT. No truckers. Yeah, and uh, uh, we just had a Tesla car come up. I saw an article about that. Um, Interesting. Not much clearance. (laughs) So he had to pick and choose his time to go where the road was not drifted. And uh, yeah, uh, we we do get tourists right now. There were trucks and campers in Eagle. Just like two weeks ago, heading north, they want to go to Tuck. And it's great. And then Northwest Territories, people come down to Whitehorse to do shopping and to get out of the Northwest Territories. Have you seen traffic increase since the uh, all-season road went in between Inuvik and tuk tuk Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think we were quite prepared for exactly how much traffic was going to be coming up the road. But uh, there was... Uh, extra cleaning of our rest areas and just more traffic in general coming through on our patches that were blading. Anyone anywhere in the Yukon, even if they haven't been to Eagle Plains, are familiar with the weather forecasts where we hear about uh, closures on the Dempster Highway and, and high winds. And I think there's even a place called Hurricane Alley. There is. There is. My, this section has the Arctic Circle and Hurricane Alley and between Eagle Plains and the, the Northwest Territories border, we have about five different weather zones in there. So when the Rock River, on Environment Canada, when the Rock River Weather Station says 141 kilometers an hour, the road is probably closed. We take a look at around 80 kilometers an hour for a closure, but... We could have 50 kilometer an hour winds with snow falling and zero visibility that we're closing the road also. And yeah, the winds come right over the Richardson Mountains through Hurricane Alley and they pick up some speed. Every year I, I, um, the Carleton University students that take the Northern Studies in Ontario do a trip through from Eagle Plains into my section And sometimes they go a little further north into the Northwest Territories. And we have been very fortunate to have a student wanting to to research the winds. So he's actually set up extra wind stations in Hurricane Alley. And it's a pilot project right now. And I'm really excited about this because we can pull up what the winds are doing at each and every weather station in the alley. And you can see a huge difference in places where the wind is much harder in that alley. Interesting. And that must be sometimes stressful to be if you're in charge of calling whether the highway is going to close or not. I'm always monitoring my radio. So any truck drivers that are going through or anyone with a radio, um, I'm always kind of listening. And they know they can give a shout out 
and say, hey, Kathy, it's it's starting to get really bad out here. And uh, myself, I can close it, but my crew is also um, trained in being able to close it also. They can call me and tell me what's happening, and they know how to go out and close the road and send out an email. It's not something that we take lightly when we do close it, but for the safety of travelers, the traveling public, the truck drivers, even our own safety and having to go out when we go out and do a road check, we so we don't push it all the time. If we can't see, we can't see. That means nobody else is going to be able to see. Have you had any uh, scary experiences up there being in the, the dark and the wind and the cold? My first winter there, I'd never even seen a blizzard before. <laughs> and I had to go out and check the road one night and I drove straight into the blizzard. I had to do about a 20-point turn to get turned around. And yeah, my legs and my hands were shaking. And I just thought, uh-oh, uh-oh, you screwed up. <laughs> and I turned around. I got out of there. We closed the road. And um, since then, I have a very healthy respect for blizzards, especially when driving through them. But I also know the road a lot better and the and I've done it so many times now that if I question whether or not to close a road, I close it because I drive through almost every blizzard we have, whereas there's people that don't do that. So you're driving through a blizzard, you're basically seeing nothing except a few feet of con or gravel road in front of you? Sometimes not even that. We have snow poles up that are 100 feet apart, and those snow poles are life-saving kind of because you could drive halfway past one and then see the next reflector and but be able to get out and it depends with the blizzards if there's any drifting that's the problem is if you get stuck in that drift and nobody can see you so we really try to say you know be safe out there and we try to mitigate any situations that are unsafe for the traveling public. Are you driving the road during the blizzard because you have to clear it to make sure nobody's in that stretch of road when it closes? To a certain extent, yes. Um, we will go and do a road check or we'll have a plow truck or grader go up and do the road check. If visibility is okay, but it's just winds, maybe drifting, we can clean up to the zero visibility point and then the driver makes the determination calls and says no we cannot keep going okay we have found people out there and uh, we have rescued them and brought them in one time Kathy says visibility was basically nil and the wind was blowing more than 100 kilometers per hour Kathy and her crew got word about some missing people when they went out the next day they found them with their broken down car they were alive, but probably in rough shape after spending the night out in a blizzard. That's why Kathy says you have to be prepared. We can't keep eyes on the road 24 hours a day. Are there sometimes long stretches of time when you don't actually see anybody on the road? For the majority of the time, there's a lot of trucks and truck drivers that are dra traveling the road. But twice a year, there's we actually have a road closure time. And that's when in the NWT, they're waiting for the ice road to go out before they can put the ferry in or when they're taking the ferry out and building their ice road. So that's usually like May and part of June 
and November and December. Like lasting like a, a week or two no, at a time? four to six. Oh, weeks. 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 Yeah. Okay, that's a long stretch. Okay. Yeah, it is. And uh, sometimes, and normally I like to leave during the morning, but it, for some reason I got to the corner and I was traveling up after like the greater station hours and I didn't see one person from kilometer zero to kilometer 370. And you you have to be prepared when you're out there that if you do break down, that nobody's going to be coming to see you for, could be 12 hours, 18 hours, depending on when you've broken down. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Carry, carry um, a heater or a heat source, sleeping bags, extra food. Anything can happen to your vehicle at any time. And just be prepared when, in case that happens. So when the, yeah when the ferries are closed, uh, there's no cargo or freight going up to a new Vic by road, and I, I, yeah, there's no through travelers. So I guess for those four or six weeks, like it's just sort of people going to and from Eagle Plains. Um, we do have some tourists that do come up, and actually interesting. Last June, June 2022, we had 30 degree days, and the following week we had a blizzard. Yeah, and that was June 8th. And we actually had tourists that had come up because they wanted to go, go on the ferry, but the ferry wasn't in yet. And so they actually were there in that blizzard. And it was wild, June 8th. And we'd had 30-degree weather the week before. We were cleaning our bridge and everything. and Everyone was a bit surprised by that one? Totally surprised, yep. You've talked a little bit about your kind of unofficial role as the, as the rec director there. What do you like about living at Eagle Plains? Like I said, it's like we're a big family, but it's uh, it's quiet. During road closure times, there's just us there. So there's hardly anyone there, but it's remote. And there's no traffic on the road, really, at that time. So we can take our time to do our work and try and get it perfect for when the traffic does start again. Do you get to meet a lot of, or do you, do you enjoy like chatting to people who are passing through? I do meet lots of people and it's really, it's, it is really nice to be able to sit down and have dinner or lunch with even the truck drivers that travel the road all the time. Some of them will come in at breakfast time when we're having our breakfast, so the restaurant's not quite open, but they come in and, and grab a coffee and sit with us while we have our breakfast and let us know what the road conditions were the night before. <laughs> what are some of the challenges of, of living there? Like, obviously, there's no, well, there's no grocery store for one, but I guess you're getting all your food, like your food, uh, you eat all your meals at the Eagle Plains Hotel. Most of the time, but I, I have my own little kitchen, so I'll bring up food, and on my days off, I like to cook I, I like cooking and I can cook different things and and even the hotel staff we will actually make different ethnic dishes like uh, Carlos he comes from Mexico he'll make something Mexican um, Teresa she will actually make something Czechoslovakian I think she'll make something different and you know we all share it was pretty cool are there a lot of people up there who've been there for a number of years so it used to be like I was like fifth or sixth in line 
And slowly, people have left, and I am now second in line to the longest person there. Stan, of course, has been there for 35-plus years, and I'm going on 14, 15 years. And Stan McNevin, he's the manager of the Eagle Plains Hotel. Yes, right? yeah. yeah. So you got a ways to go to catch up to him. Yeah, yeah. No, everyone else has a ways to go to catch up to me. <laughs> You described for me the area around Eagle Plains in the winter. Uh, what about in the summer? What is it like? It's like the the earth is awakening again with all the green buds. And we're usually the last to start getting green. As you travel south on the Dempster, they're green a lot longer before than we are. Um, our winter kind of, we're like the last of the winter season in the, all of the Yukon. And... Uh, when we're out there blading and we've got our doors open, it's great. But if you're by a water hole, the mosquitoes can be horrible. If you if there's a breeze, you're good. But if you're by a water source, you better bring some really good bug spray. I hear you have a mosquito joke. There is not one single mosquito on the Dempster Highway. They're all married and have big families. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. So on your days off, you have six days off at a time. Are you are you kind of taking advantage of, of things in the area? Or are you tr- usually traveling pretty far? It actually depends. Um, I, I actually haven't been up to Tuck yet, but I did on the very last winter road. I had a camper and I went up the, the ice road to Tuck. I haven't been on the new one yet, but I thought it was so cool to be driving on the ocean to Tuck. And uh, um, I'll go up to Fort McPherson, and I'll do a bit of groceries, but I'll camp out at Rock River. And from there, I'll spend my six days, but each day I'll go up into Hurricane Alley, and I'll pick a hill to climb. And I found fossils. used to be the bottom of the ocean floor there. So you find these round rocks and fossils and... It's just really cool. And because you're above treeline at that area, yeah, you can kind of just park and walk quite easily up yes. these hills, right? Yeah, kind of. Definitely take your bear spray because, yes, you can see a long ways away, but the bears do move quickly, and I wouldn't be out there without it. Have you seen a lot of wildlife over the years? Yeah, there's been lots of grizzly bears. I've actually seen three muskox. And they're not as big as you would think. They're like a little pony size. And uh, foxes, marten, I've seen sandhill cranes and rabbits, ptarmigans. I actually thought there were rocks on the road one day. And as I was driving, these rocks started moving and they were ptarmigan chicks. And I'd never seen ptarmigan chicks before. It was cool. I guess that's why they're called rock ptarmigan. Oh. Could be. Are they? I don't know. I think I think that's what they're called. <laughs> What's a memorable moment you've had up there on the Dempster? Um, one that stands out. Uh, Stan actually received a phone call one time, and it was a couple that had met in the Yukon, and they wanted like an unofficial marriage ceremony at the Arctic Circle. So they called Stan to find out if Stan could get this done. So Stan said he would look into it, and he called me over. And he says, Kathy, this is what's going on, and these people, 
need somebody to help them out. Are you willing? And I said, and all I had to do was read their vows that they each wrote at the Arctic Circle at a certain time on a date. And uh, it was the coolest thing ever to be able to do that. That's super cool. Yeah. And we're all, it was wintertime and we're all in our big heavy parkas and everything. You mentioned something about a hot tub as well. So first few years that I was in Eagle, at the end of the day after changing blades or being out on the road lots, it's like aches and pains and I'd really like a hot tub. So I went, I went to Whitehorse and purchased a hot tub (laughs) and, uh, I got it up there, and it's a soft tub, so it's movable. And me and the barmaid at the time, we decided we were planning this since summertime, and it was called Operation Arctic Circle. So people would hear us talk about Operation Arctic Circle, and the hotel staff was like, what's that? And I'm like, you're going to like this. And it came out closer to Christmas because we did this boxing day. Everywhere in the Yukon was minus 30 and colder. And at the Arctic Circle, we were minus 12, clear skies and no wind. It was, it was about the best time. So we, I emptied my hot tub, threw it on a trailer, parked it in the garage, refilled it. And we put the lid on with two big straps had a generator. I even grabbed my Christmas tree out of my living room, my artificial Christmas tree, and put it on the trailer and uh, took it up to the circle. And we put um, like these bush lights on the Arctic Circle sign itself and lit everything up with with the generator. And then we had like a photo shoot. That's amazing. It was cool. So we're getting uh, into, I guess, pretty soon the start of the the sort of main tourist season in the Yukon, the summer season. Do you have uh, any tips for people who are planning to drive the Dempster Highway? Take your time. Um, Don't be in a rush. Definitely carry a spare tire. A lot of rental vehicles we see that come up don't have very good ply tires. And uh, so they they frequently get flats. And if you drive really fast... The thought is that if you're driving over 80, 90 kilometers an hour, your front tires kick up the shale and then your back tires land on it. So if you're getting flats on your back tires, you're driving too fast. I've never heard that before. That's very interesting. Yeah. For years it's been happening and it's like, why does everyone get flat tires on the back? And I talked to a tire guy one time and that was his theory. So it's not not proven scientific, but... Um, I take my time going down. Kathy, thank you so much for coming in to tell me all about the Dempster and Eagle Plains. Hey, no problem. I thoroughly enjoyed this. I want everyone to know about Hurricane Alley and the Arctic Circle. If you liked this episode, you might want to check out a previous episode, Lessons from the Dempster. In it, I speak to Melanie Bennett about what she learned from her upbringing on the land. That's it for this episode of Yukon North of Ordinary, the podcast. Please share this episode and leave us a review. It really helps. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to our print magazine by going to northofordinary.com. 
While you're there, check out Yukon North of Ordinary merchandise. And for a full product line, visit the Bricks and Mortar store in Whitehorse, located on the corner of 2nd Avenue and Steel Street, across from City Hall. There's a great selection of clothing, hats, stickers, glassware, and more. Do you have something to say about this episode? We'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at North of Ordinary. You can also contact me, Karen McCall, with feedback or story ideas. Editor at northofordinary.com is my email. Thanks to the whole team at North of Ordinary Media. Our podcast artwork is by art director Manu Kegenhoff. Our music is by Head Candy and tribeofnoise.com. Thanks for listening. We have another episode coming out soon. I hope you listen in. Thank you.